I hope you're excited about to be in here today. I know, uh, I know it's different. It's different with COVID around. I know it's been different. Uh, not everyone can be here, and we miss them. But they're still part of our church. And I was so happy to hear this week that some of our people had reached out to some that had not been able to come and sent them cards. And that's what we need during this time, to hang together, right? To make sure that we're all staying together. And so uh, the still videotaping these sessions and they're still available on the internet if anyone needs to have those or, or knows of, of someone who needs to have those. I'd be glad to make a DVD for them as well. But we're going to be in the book of Galatians today. So I hope you have your Bible and have your handout. So handout's got a few little questions on there. Kind of keep your interest and also to give you the main points of the sermon. Uh, Adrian Rogers wrote, Salvation is simply glorious. Would you agree? <laughs> Salvation is simply glorious. He goes on, he says, and it's gloriously simple. God describes salvation in terms so that we can understand it. On one hand, God says being saved is like being married to Christ. On the other hand, God says being saved is like being born into the family of God. On another level, God says being saved is like being adopted into God's family. And so last week, we talked about what it meant, what it means to be born again. Jesus very emphatically told Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. So we talked about that. We talked about how really being born again has to do with our nature. Our nature before we come to know Christ has been corrupted by the sin of Adam, right? We, we read about that in Sunday school. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So our nature, our very nature, think of it, our very nature was changed forever the moment that Adam sinned. And ever since that, all, all down through history, every generation, every person born in the lineage of Adam was born with this bent towards sin. We are bent towards sin. And so because of that, we reject God and we reject the things of God. And it's a very sad thing uh, people try to do very many good things, but they end up doing it for their own self-glorification or they do them uh, for attention or something like that. They don't do them for the glory of God. And so all people have sinned. We know that and fall short of the glory of God. Even our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. And so something had to be done about that nature so that when the gospel is preached, people will believe in the gospel. And so that's what God promised in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, the book of Jeremiah. He said, I'll, you have a heart of stone. He said, there's going to come a time where my Holy Spirit will take out that heart of stone that is dead toward God and will put in a living heart, one that is soft and fleshly and able to understand God. And that's how we are born again. That's what's happened when we are born again. We are given a new heart. We are resurrected from the dead and spiritually speaking we're sitting at the right hand of God and we are now able to accept God and accept the gospel and see it as a beautiful thing that it is. Well adoption is a little bit different it's got a little bit different twist to it but it talks about us being 
adopted into God's family and we who believe and trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord have been adopted into his family but what what exactly does it mean to be adopted into God's family well I have a definition here whereas being born again is a very natural thing a very earthly thing adoption really is a legal thing a le it's a legal proceeding that creates a parent-child relationship between persons not related by blood with the adopted child being entitled to all the privileges belonging to a natural child including the right to inherit so this is a this is a wonderful thing it's it's kind of a miraculous thing if you ask me for even people in this world to to go out and to take someone who maybe don't have parents any longer bring them into their home give them their very own name raise them and then eventually give them an inheritance is just an amazing thing don't you agree it's amazing that's an amazing thing I admire people who are able to do that Adrian Rogers goes on and says he says now we get into God's family by birth and and by adoption isn't that strange it is by birth that we receive the nature of God and it is by adoption that we receive our legal position in the family of God I think a, a verse if you were to go to one verse uh, that describes it pretty closely it's in Acts chapter 7 verses 20 and 21 it's talking about Moses but this is Stephen given his sermon uh, right before he is martyred and he's talking about Moses and he says at, the at this time Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight and he was brought up for three months in his father's house and when he was exposed which means he was put in the river in a basket uh, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought her up as her very own son and that really is the essence of what it means to adopt someone it means to take someone outside of your family bring them into your home raise them as your very own son or daughter and so that kind of brings us to our scripture we have other scripture besides the one i just read is from galatians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7. please stand with me as we read these tremendous verses uh, from a book i love i love them all but galatians is what we started out when i was first here i don't know if you remember or not but Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son than an heir through God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for yourself, and we thank you for this great plan of salvation which can be communicated to us in so many different ways, and we get a, a little different viewpoint, perspective with each one of these about what your salvation is like. We pray today that you would just enthrall us with this idea that we have been born again and we have been adopted into your family that we would see just how much of a miracle this is but also just how much of a joy it is for us to be called part of God's family 
And we pray that you would give us understanding how we can apply this so that we ourselves will become more like Jesus Christ and make a difference in this world, all for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Can be seated. So I want to look at these verses just a little bit before I kind of draw some conclusions about them, but very similar to the scripture we read this morning, right? <laughs> when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. I think I remember Tony reading something very much like that. But God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ, at just the right time. Some might, might have said, well, it's way too late because what about David and Abraham? You know, what about them hearing the gospel and knowing about Jesus Christ? And some might say, well, it was, it's, it's too late. You know, it should have been earlier. Some might say, well, it was too early. It should have been later. But according to the scriptures, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born of the law, and he sent him at just the right time. Some people have said, well, they, and a lot of these could be true, most of them probably are true, but they, they, God could have sent him at this particular time because of the Greek language. Let me say that again because I messed it up. Because of the Greek language. And this is the language that the New Testament was written, and it was the perfect language for it to be written in it. It has so many nuances and so many different words that it, it gives us a very full translation of the Bible when it's translated into English. Uh, some people might have said, well, it was the right time because the nation of Israel had not heard from a prophet for a very, very long time, and that was true as well. They had had no word from God until John the Baptist came for about 400 years. It's nothing but silence from God. And so we, we know that he came at the right time. We know that because God set that in motion. But there's a couple things that are here that are important. First of all, he was born of a woman, born under the law. So he was born as a man. He had a human nature to him. Christ was both human in nature and also divine in nature. And because he was born of a woman, he had man's nature, which was necessary, why? So that he could die for us, right? So that he could take our sins upon himself, pay the penalty, and die for us. He was also born under the law, which means he had the same requirement we do of obeying the law completely. And guess what? He did. He lived it completely. Whereas we fail miserably probably every day he lived out the law perfectly. And he did that, according to verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because believers are sons, God has spent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and a son, then an heir through God. So we're going to talk about those last verses a little bit more as we go through this. But because we as our believers in Christ, we have all of the family privileges as Jesus does. This is the amazing thing. We have all of the, family, the same family privileges that Jesus does as being God's son. And also we have some responsibilities too, right? 
So we have privileges, we have re responsibility. So God treats us in every way as if we were his own son when we are believers in Christ. We have the position, we have the advantage and privileges of Jesus Christ. So what are these privileges that we have in Christ? Well, there's many, but I'm just gonna talk about three main ones today. We have a relationship with God as our Abba Father, A-B-B-A, -B -B -A, if you're filling that in. We have a relationship with God as our Abba Father. And we do that, we experience God's fatherly love toward us. Now that word Abba, it's a, <laughs> it's actually an Aramaic word, which means daddy. It could be translated daddy. So. Because we are sons of God, God has spent his spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. We can call God, creator of the universe, our daddy, Father. And he gives us the Holy Spirit as a gift. This is the love that he has for us. He has, he has allowed us to call him Abba, Father. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And he has given us, according to Ephesians chapter 1, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This has all come because of our adoption into his family and our relationship with God as a father. And I love that term, calling him daddy. I don't know if I ever called my, I always called my, my dad, dad. Maybe I did when I was younger, called him daddy. But I have this picture of getting up in my dad's lap and just curling up and giving him a hug and him hugging me back. That's the kind of picture you can take from this of God's love for us. We experience a true relationship with the creator of the universe, a fatherly relationship. Now, sometimes father, earthly fathers really, they don't necessarily live up to, to what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to take care of their children. So I, don't, I hope that you don't have that image, but have this image of what a father should truly be about. And that's one who loves us, who takes care of us, who provides for us in every way, who, whom we can have an intimate relationship with. And that's one of the great blessings of the gospel, isn't it? That we can have an intimate relationship are you experiencing that relationship today? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I hope so. Because I, I, you know, I kind of see it. Uh, I kind of see it almost. If you think of a whirlpool or a spiral, and you're going around the outside edge, and you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. That's the way I kind of see the way our relationship should be with God. It's not, it never stays the same. It should be deepening all the time. Experiencing more and more and more intimacy. As we read in God's word and we ex experience him in prayer, that relationship deepens and deepens and deepens. And as far as I know, we'll continue to do that for all eternity. God is an infinite God. Even in heaven, we will not know him completely because he is infinite and we are not, but we will have the opportunity to know him in a deeper relationship forever, all the way into eternity. And I would just commend you today to realize that he loves us. He truly loves us. He wants to spend time with us. And when you set a time 
aside during the morning, say, to meet with him. I think in some sense, if we don't show up, he's a little bit disappointed because he wants to spend that time with us. Make sure that you spend true relationship time with your father. We also, of course, experience the father's care. He has given us, as I said, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we're commanded by Jesus. He said, why are you worried about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God cares about you, and he's going to provide all of your daily needs each and every day. That's how we pray in the Lord's Prayer, that he would provide us with our daily needs. And he tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What what is what do we what about the kingdom of God do we seek other than the king? Right? It goes back to that relationship. When we're seeking seeking the kingdom of God, we're seeking how we can be a part of it, how we can contribute to it. But we're also seeking the king himself and deepening our relationship with him. He watches over us always with his providential care working all things out for our good and many, many other things. But we also, as a father, as him being our father, we experience his discipline. Have you ever been under the discipline of the Lord? I have. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Sheepishly, I put my hand up. I have been under the discipline of God. And you have to. And you have to. But he loves us. He cares us enough that he will discipline and chastise us if you're looking at the King James Version. Uh, probably one of the best verses on this is in Hebrews. So listen to these verse, verses. It says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. You guys have been fathers, most of you, and you had kids and you disciplined, right? Even though sometimes we might say, well, it hurts me more than it hurts you. And that's true. But we love them enough to correct things that might be harmful to them, and God is no different. That's where the idea came from. The Lord disciplines the ones he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which you have participated, then you are illegitimate, illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they discipline for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Yes, God will discipline those whom he has adopted into his family. 
Otherwise, if they receive no discipline, it says they are illegitimate sons. So this being a legal, legal document, uh, we want to receive the discipline of, of God because it is a loving actions toward us. Okay, so we, we get to experience God as our Father, but we also get to experience a loving relationship with, the, with God's family, the church. We are literally brothers and sisters in Christ because of our adoption into God's family. It's not, it's not a metaphor, it's not a simile. We are literally brothers and sisters in Christ. And so first of all, as being part of God's family, we have a family image to uphold. Anyone ever told, I don't know if anyone would actually say this, but if you ever told maybe your teenage son or daughter when they go out, you know, now we have a name that has a good reputation, make sure you live up to that. So I, I see a few heads that are going, but you get the idea. And it's the same way with, with God's family. We have an image to uphold. When we bear the name of Christ and we take on the name that we are Christians and we realize that we are bearing his image, we have an image to uphold because we want people to know God in the same way we have come to know God. And they're going to do that when they see the love that we have for God and the respect that we have for him. There was a illustration about Alexander the Great. I don't know if you remember who he is from your history lessons. I think he lived around 300 BC, something like that. He was just a phenomenal military commander at a very young age. He uh, conquered most of the known world at that time. But there was this story about Alexander the Great. Uh, he was a great general, almost conquered the entire world and, and was a cruel man in many respects an egotistical man, but a great leader uh, of men. One thing that Alexander the Great despised was a sneak thief. Anyone who had come into the camp and steal, he just had no respect. And it was reported to him that there was such a man in the army, someone who was a thief. This man was summoned and brought to Alexander's tent. Alexander, whose steely eyes looked on this man, said, Sir, what is your name? The man was was trembling, rightfully so. He said, why? My name is Alexander, sir. My name is the same as yours. This was almost too great for the gen great general. He looked at him again, lip curled, and said, well, sir, change your name or change your ways. <laughs> change your name or change your ways. And obviously, God is uh, gracious with us and patient with us. He knows that we are on a journey to be conformed to the image of Christ. We are not perfect yet. But the idea is just the same. If you bear the name of Christ, then live and walk in the same way that Jesus walked. Uh, I've been doing my FBI reading, and uh, I can't remember, last week I think we were in 2 Corinthians, but that whole 2 Corinthians chapter 4 was just a phenomenal chapter for me. It was hard for me to read any more after that because I was so focused on this. But this, it kind of uh, alludes to this as well. So let me read that to you. And he's, he's speaking about us being jars of clay for the gospel. And so he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. In other words, 
we have this gospel in our bodies which are just like jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always, listen to this, always carrying in the body, in our body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. That's why we're here, folks. We are here to share the gospel verbally. We are here to show it with the way that we live, our, our physical bodies. And so we experience a loving relationship with our God and family, and we do that, first of all, because we have an image to uphold. But we also have this loving relationship and we share a special love for each other, for one another. And I, I think this kind of takes some people by surprise, but the church is supposed to have a special love for each other. We love the whole world. God loves the whole world, but God has a special love for his people in the church. And we have a special love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this, once again, is a sign for everyone to see. Jesus himself said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Can you imagine him saying that? <laughs> I mean, just not just anybody gives new commandments on par with the Ten Commandments, right? So he's saying, I'm God, you better listen to me. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then he tells them why. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then Paul says, so then as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone and especially to those who are the household of faith. We are to sacrificially love one another. That's really what that word love in the agape or Greek form agape means. And so our gatherings, like we had last night, uh, I've begun to realize how important those are in our ministry. But our gatherings and our love for one another should be a picture to our unsaved neighbors of God's love for them. And that's, that's exactly what our gatherings like last night do, is if we have any visitors who come, then they see our love for one another and the way that God loves them and that's going to be a big draw for them to come to know Christ and to become a part of a church. Amen. And then finally, we have a family burden to bear. We have a family burden to bear. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are on mission. And that, in a sense, is our burden. Our burden is to reach the world for Christ, to reach all of the nations for Christ. Our burden also is to become like Jesus, be conformed to his image, and we need each other's help to do that. We need to bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so all of us should participate so that a few don't carry the whole load. Let me say that again. The mission is for all of us. Our mission is to take the gospel to the 
every part of the world and our mission is to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be sanctified, and all of us should participate so that a few don't carry the whole load. So you may be wondering, well, how can I get involved in what's going on? You could talk to me. I can give several different suggestions. Sending cards to people is a wonderful way to help people. Giving phone calls to people who can't come to church is very encouraging. Calling up and sharing Christ with someone on the phone, although not ideal, is something that we can do in these COVID times. Their lives are at stake even more seriously than what a danger that COVID presents. And it's for eternity. So we have to find a way to do that. There's many, many other ways that you can get involved with the church and the mission that we are on. And finally, my last point, we have a glorious future and inheritance being prepared for us. Amen? We shout about that. <laughs> that makes me feel like shouting. As much as I love ministry, as much as I love the church, I think all of us look forward to the day when we will see Jesus face to face, get to fellowship with him, not by reading a book and by praying, as wonderful as that is, but we'll be able to do it face by face. And we'll get to enjoy the inheritance that's being prepared for us. We, as his adopted children, have the same inheritance as Christ. He shares that inheritance with us. Well, what has Christ inherited? Everything, right? Christ owns everything. His inheritance is everything. We have a wonderful new future in Christ. And it's that hope that keeps us going during these difficult times that we have. We have a wonderful new future in Christ. He tells his disciples, he says, I go and prepare a place for you so that when I come back, I can take you back with me. He's been preparing that for over 2,000 years, folks. It's going to be glorious. You know, no description. I went to Revelation chapter 21 and read the description of the new Jerusalem, the new earth descending. And it, it's glorious, but it's going to be so much more when we encounter that in person. Jesus, just like any good relative, has left his last will and testament for us. He's given us the Holy Spirit, which is a, a guarantee that we're going to get that final inheritance. He has given us his righteousness so that we have the very righteousness of Christ. He supplies our daily needs. And one commentator said, well, why don't we get the full inheritance right now? And, and uh, his response was, we couldn't handle it right now, right? We couldn't handle it in our mortal bodies the inheritance that we are going to receive. It is so wonderful and so great. It'd be like giving a young child a billion dollars. They just wouldn't know how to handle it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. What's it exactly going to be like? I don't think I even could describe what it's going to be like. But Jesus is going to share it with us. 
I know that there's going to be a new Jerusalem. It's like a jewel descending from the sky to rest upon this earth. If you have ever looked at the dimensions of that, have you ever, ever looked at the dimensions? I think it says something like 12,000 stadia. That translates into 1,400 miles, folks, square. And that, that, that high as well. So there's going to be more than enough room for all the redeemed saints. And there are, there are it describes pearl, you know, gates with pearls and, and gold and diamonds and different precious stones and metals. There'll be a new earth that is recreated and completely new, I think, much as it was during the time of Adam and Eve. And then God will move in with us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Even God, finally, God will move in with us. He will be there just like Nick is there. I'll get to see Jesus. I'll get to be with him. You'll get to be with him. You get to spend time with him, the creator of the universe. He will wipe away every tear. Death shall be no more and there will be no more pain forever. Amen. Forever. Amen. That is just a little bit of our inheritance. And so in closing today, are you in learning to enjoy your relationship with God? I hope that today and, you know, in your life, you are taking time to enjoy and deepen your relationship to God today. I don't know why, but the Bible says there's some advantage doing, it, doing that on this side of life. It's going to make things better on the other side. And you say, well, how's that possible? I don't know how it's possible, but, you know, 1 Timothy tells us for, you know, physical training is of some, some value, but godliness holds great value both in this life and the life to come. And so the more we become like Jesus is going to benefit us on the other side. So every relationship takes work. Let's work on our relationship with God today. Let's be in his word. Let's pray. Let's seek his will and be obedient to his will. So are you taking advantage of your relationship to God as Father? But then are you taking advantage of the loving family of Freedom Baptist Church? <laughs> we, have a, we have a loving family. It doesn't mean we don't have, have problems, right? We have issues, we're people, we're, we're real. And I like this church because we're real. But we are learning more and more every day how to love each other. And when times get tough, there's no other place I would rather be associated with than Freedom Baptist Church. I know any of you that are here today, if I had a problem, I could call you up and you would help. I am assured of that. And that's true of me and I think it's true of many of you as well. Are you living with the future inheritance in mind? Are you living with that hope? Are you not placing your trust in things of this earth, but building up for yourselves treasure in heaven? I hope that you are doing that. And finally, I want to say one thing which may seem a little bit out of context, but since we're talking about adoption, I wanted to at least bring this to the forefront. 224,000 people have died of the COVID virus. During that same time period, 
approximately 623,000 have been aborted. Now it's hard to get statistics on abortion because Planned Parenthood doesn't like to give them out. If we follow the example of Christ and of God our Father, adoption may be the most Christ-like thing we can do. And I don't, I don't know out there if anyone is capable or has the, the money to adopt. But it's something we should be praying about, don't you think? With 623,000 having been aborted, if we can provide for those who will do it an opportunity to raise their child, I think that would be a Christ-like thing that we could do. And so it's a wonderful thing to be adopted into the family. And it's a wonderful thing to have a family care enough about you that they would adopt you into your family, make you a son or a daughter, and make you an heir, and give you your name. So let's, let's just close by praying about that. And uh, if you have any other decision today, please feel free to come up front and pray about that or just tap me on the soldier, soldier, shoulder and say, I'd like you to be praying for me about this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for our scripture and we thank you for the challenge that it presents to us because you act this way because you love us, but you act this way that we might also follow your example. And so it teaches us that we are to love each other as brother and sister in Christ. It teaches us that we are to look forward to our inheritance and the time that we'll be able to spend with you in all eternity. But it also teaches us to love those who are less fortunate and have broken up families or maybe have no family. And to seek your will that possibly you may be calling us to adopt or to give to Grace Haven or to the Baptist Children's Home or to help someone out who is raising kids. There's many ways that we can do it if we would just sit down and think about it and follow your leading. And so we, we just pray today that you would help us to have open hearts to you, open ourselves up to you to use us in any way that you see fit uh, because you are a loving God and you've given so much for us. It only feels right to give back to you and further the kingdom. We ask all these things in Christ's name, amen.